Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning, church. Good to be with you. Um, I apologize that I'm not with you in person. We had a COVID exposure in our household and um, trying to be a good citizen, um, taking appropriate precautions. Thought it would be best to be with you by video today instead of in person. So uh, we're going to continue in our message series today, A Faithful Church. This is uh, going to be in the last part of Titus chapter 2, so I invite you to start finding that right now. Um, before I get into that, I do want to um, just make a couple of comments. For those of you who missed the announcement, last Sunday we do have an interim pastor uh, that's going to be starting here June 12th. His name's Bruce Porter, comes with a lot of great pastoral experience. You'll love him. He'll do a great job. Um, so that's uh, that's an encouraging step. This coming Friday is a day of prayer and fasting for our pastoral search. And so the third Friday of each month, our search committee has asked us to commit to some time in prayer and fasting if possible. And so I encourage you to do that. That's this coming Friday, the 20th. Um, and then, of course, I was going to do a membership class today, Bethany Church 101. That's postponed. But I'd like to offer that on 525. That's a Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. So if you can be a part of that. I'd love for you a 525 uh, membership class, May 25th. Um, I think you've already had a chance, at least in the 9 a.m. service, a chance to pray for Jim and Judy Irvine. I try to acknowledge when folks are kind of moving out of the area and pray for them. Uh, Jim and Judy, who've not been with us uh, a terribly long time, um, have just been a blessing. And so Jim and Judy, uh, in the 9 a.m., I'm we're going to miss you. We're so thankful for the ways that you have just modeled how to plug in and jump in, get involved. You've been super encouragers uh, to everywhere you've been. And so we're going to miss you. And uh, thank you so much for investing your lives uh, for this season. As you move to Washington, we'll keep you in prayer and pray that you find a, another great church to be a part of. All right, let's carry on in our message series today called A Faithful Church. And we're picking up Titus chapter 2, verse 11 today, and we're going to talk about being focused. Uh, If you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And uh, as we turn to Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority, Do not let anyone despise you. We thank the Lord for his word this morning. You probably have a pretty amazing camera in your pocket right now uh, on your phone, right? In fact, 
most of us have a camera that also happens to function as a communication and entertainment device. And we've all seen the pictures from our iPhones and Samsung Galaxies that they're remarkable. It's amazing pictures. But then when you have something that's very important, like a wedding, uh, you don't just rely on your iPhone. You bring someone in who's got, you know, a fancy SLR, single lens reflex cameras and legitimate lenses. And you hire a guy like, you know, Bernie or Nick or Tim or Jared, guys from our church who who, who know, not only they don't just take pictures, they know how to compose the shot. They know what should be in focus. They know what should be out of focus. They, they play with depth of field and so that their pictures, photos tell a story because of how they're focused. I've got, for example, a picture here, if we're able to, to get it on the screen of, of a wedding photo here that tells a story. Why? Because of where it's focused. It's leading you to think about something uh, in the bigger narrative of this particular wedding. Focus really matters. Focus might be kind of an overword, overused word perhaps, but it is important. And if we're going to be a faithful church and faithful believers, we need to pay attention to our focus, what we're looking at. And there are some times uh, or some items, I, I suppose you could say, can be a bit blurry, a little fuzzy. We're not really sure about what we're working on or some areas of mild disagreement, how we view things. But there are some things that have to be absolutely sharp and clear. And this short passage in Titus helps us to know where to focus, what those focus points are. And you want to keep in mind that the Apostle Paul has just challenged Timothy um, to oversee the spiritual growth and development of these various, um, you know, strains of people in the church, men, women, older, younger, slave, free. And it's the role of the pastor then, as it is now, uh, to do that. But then Paul explains why this good doctrine matters and why it's important in three uh, focal points that we're going to look at uh, right out of this passage. And the first is this, that we want to be people who focus on the grace of God. That's your first point. Focus on the grace of God. Focal point number one. Focus on the grace of God. Listen again to what God's grace can do for us out of uh, verses 11 and 12. When he says, The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and world, worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. See, I think we may not always fully understand grace. I don't think we understand it well enough. Grace is not a free pass to just do whatever you you like. Uh, Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card uh, for you Monopoly game lovers, right? Grace does many things, and here three of them are named. Grace offers salvation, regardless of your background, regardless of your status, right? Male, female, slave or free. It offers us that. And then it teaches us how to resist sin and how to, you know, avoid all the destructiveness of a sinful life. So it offers us salvation. It teaches us how to live. And then it shows us how to live. So offers, teaches, and then shows how to live self-controlled lives. That word self-control, we dealt with that word a few times already in this, this book. Another word or maybe a more direct word is sensible like a kind of a thoughtful way of, of living and an upright way of living. He says, and godly 
in our lives. So grace actually helps us with all those things. Not just the point of salvation, but living it out. See, because of God's grace, right, the churches that Titus leads are made up of this wide variety of people, men, women, younger, older, free, and slaves. And this, you would say that that's a kind of a crazy mix of people who would not be gathered in any other circumstance except for the church. And so think about it in a church at that time. This is remarkable. You could have, let's say, a slave teaching a group of free men uh, discipleship principles because they are equals in Christ. That's a remarkable thing that develops in the church, in God's in God's provision of uh, of salvation. And so uh, you think about a great hymn like Amazing Grace, John Newton's great hymn, that song effectively begins in repentance, doesn't it? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Uh, grace only becomes amazing when you can say, I was a wretch, I was lost, I was blind, but now, right, now I'm saved. Now I'm found. Now I have sight. Uh, if we only talk about grace as a theological idea, you know, if, if John Newton had only sung about kind of the, the principles of grace, but not talked about it in a personal way, it wouldn't be real. If we never receive grace and we've never experienced grace, we're absolutely missing the point. And grace freely offers salvation to all who accept it. That's his point here, but it doesn't stop there. Only grace can empower us to live a, you know, a godly life moment by moment. Our problem, I think our problem is usually that we accept the grace of God for salvation. But then we try to muster up our own strength and say, I can do this from here. I got this. You know, I can, I can live a good life instead of saying, I actually need that grace, not only for salvation, but to live my life hour by hour, minute by minute. I know I do. I know you do too. So that's the importance of grace. If we're going to be a faithful church, we start with a grace focus. And thankfully, it's not only for this life, um, but it's for the life that's to come. You see, this is, um, you know, first of all, verses 11 and 12 are saying what grace is going to do. But then verse 13 goes on to say what else is happening because he says, verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me read that one more time. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our second focal point to focus on the blessed hope. We focus on the blessed hope. Think about this way. Did you ever buy tickets for a concert or, you know, a big game and you bought a way in advance, right? And then in part of the fun of that was the anticipation of that event coming. And maybe you have a rough day at work or a rough day at school and, and you come home and yeah, you see those tickets on the, on the fridge or on the pegboard and you think, oh yeah, that's coming. I'm really looking for that. I can hardly wait. Well, that's a two hour activity by some guys who play guitar or, you know, throw a ball around. What I'm talking about here is, is an eternity in heaven that the Lord Almighty has been preparing for you and for me. Uh, the magnificence of heaven and the absolute perfection of being in his presence forever and ever. That's what we're looking forward to, right? A place with no illness, <laughs> no inflation, no irritations, right? That place that's been prepared for us and it's made possible by the appearing of Jesus, first the first coming of Jesus, but then the appearing of Jesus to come. That's the blessed hope. Now here's what we know about the blessed hope. 
on a day unknown to us. We don't know the day. We don't know exactly when it's going to be. But Jesus will appear overhead in the clouds, as the Bible puts it, somehow visible to all people around the planet all at once. I don't know how that's going to work. But then he will gather up to himself all who have put their trust in him, all who have fully committed their lives to say, Jesus is my Savior and have followed him. And, and uh, scripture teaches us that first he gathers those who have already been deceased, who've already, who have already died, and then the rest of us will be caught up with them. Um, that th- this appearing of Christ, we call it the rapture, the gathering up or the calling up or the taking away quickly of God's people to be with Jesus. And then following that, there'll be some terrible times on the earth before then Jesus returns finally with us to firmly establish once and for all his his full kingdom. And quite honestly, I don't we don't we don't talk enough about the blessed hope. We really don't. Uh we forget, I think. We maybe we're too comfortable, maybe it's too easy. Maybe we think, well, this is pretty good the way we've got it. But we we miss the value and the the beauty of the blessed hope to come. It's not a bad thing to look forward to leaving this life. Enjoy it while you have it. Scripture says God's given us all things for us to enjoy. Take it all in, but know there's something much, much better to come. I want to think about a couple of side notes about verse 13. Um, first, he's saying that we wait. We wait for the blessed hope. Waiting means we're watching and we're ready. Uh, like when you're in the gas lineup at Costco, right? You're waiting, you're waiting, there's cars in front of you. And you have your, your card out of your wallet ready to go. Maybe you've popped the, the gas cap cover on your car. You're going to spring to action as soon as that green light appears. It says yeah, there's a spot open for you. At least that's what I'm like. Right? Waiting means being prepared. You, you're, you're looking forward to it. You're watching. So that's kind of the first point, kind of a side point about verse 13. And the, the second kind of side point here is there's a something technical, theologically technical going on here. Paul undoubtedly understood that Jesus is God and one with God the Father. Uh, he refers to Jesus as our great God and Savior. But then that also means that God himself is our Savior, not only Jesus. You can't say Jesus is the Savior and God is not. So the Apostle Paul equates these even though they're distinct. It very much helps our understanding of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Kind of a side point, but very reassuring. All right, let's get on to verse 14, where Paul writes, who, speaking of Jesus, right? Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us um, for himself, right? A people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That's verse 14. Gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Here's our third focal point. We want to focus on the mission of doing good. Focus on the mission of doing good. See, as a believer in Jesus, you've been made ready for good works and you've been created to do good works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are his masterpiece. We're doing works that were already prepared for us in advance. Simply put, you've been, according to this, you've been redeemed, you've been purified, and you've been empowered to be 
on mission for Jesus. It's the plan and it's the desire of God to include as many people as possible in his kingdom, as many that would come and trust in him. That's God's will and God's desire. But we are the ones who do the work. We're the ones who go and share the good news. If we don't go, people don't hear. If we don't speak, people don't can't believe. That's up to us. That's our mission, right? If we don't serve, people aren't going to experience the goodness of God. And I love the sense of readiness here. We belong to Jesus. I love this word eager, eager to do what is good, not reluctant, not dragging into it like fine, you know, I'll, I'll do it if I have to. It's, it's this eagerness that we have. So we're focused on the mission of doing what is good. You and I were not saved for no reason. We were not saved for selfish reasons. We were redeemed, purified, and empowered to serve the Lord, and we do so gladly. And with this assurance, we are His very own. We belong to Jesus. If you were hired, if you got a job at McDonald's, um, would you show up at work at Burger King? Would you show up to work at In-N-Out? Starbucks? No. No. You'd put on that polyester uniform and you'd show up at the Golden Arches. Why? Because you belong to McDonald's because that's who hired you. That's your employer. If you've accepted the amazing grace that offers salvation, right? You now belong to Jesus. You belong to him. And so you in the sense, work for him, not working for your salvation, but out of his grace, out of the salvation that you've received. It's the fruit of that salvation is the good things that you do, the way you serve and the way you love, the way you bless others. So we put on the uniform of right living and a, and a sermon attitude, and we're eager to do what is good because it honors Christ our Savior. It's a privilege to live for him instead of living for ourselves. Are we eager to do what is good? In verse 15, Paul wraps up this section with these words. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Or another word for that would be, do not let anyone disregard you. Verse 15. Encourage and rebuke with all authority, right? So keep in mind, Paul is now just turns a little bit to a very personal comment to Titus, the guy who's been put in charge of the churches in the island of Crete. And this is what he's telling him to do. I'm going to add a comment here just to us as a church. Bethany Church, this is for us. As you are in the search for a new pastor, look for a guy who's willing to teach and encourage and rebuke with all authority. It's what's embedded right here because a good leader will do all three. He will teach, encourage, and rebuke because a, ch- a good church knows we need all three, teaching, encouragement, and the occasional rebuke. We need teaching so we'll grow. We need encouragement because life gets hard. And sometimes we need a rebuke. Why? Because we get off track. We get off mission. We get distracted. We fall into wrong doctrines. And we need that that shepherd who will say, uh-uh, don't go there. Get back. Get back. And so we need all three. And um, as you've allowed me to do with you, teach, encourage, and occasionally rebuke, let your next pastor do that as well. It's really essential to the life of the body. All right. So how are we going to be a faithful church? 
in a world that is so lost and so in desperate need of good news, we're going to focus on grace. The grace that offers salvation to all. The grace that empowers us to live for Him. We're going to focus on the blessed hope of Jesus appearing. We're going to wait eagerly and ready for Him. And we're going to focus on the mission of doing what is good so that God is made great in this world. I'm going to pray as Christy and the worship team come and prepare to lead us in a closing song. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your presence in this place today. We love your word. We love what you're teaching us. Your love that you're reminding us that we really have been rescued and saved for a purpose. Lord, I pray for that person today who's not sure if they're even a believer yet. They're not really sure if they are saved. God, would you give them the courage to call on you to be saved, to say, Jesus, I belong to you. I, I, I turn from my own ways and I turn to you. Lord, I, I pray that you will give us a, just a laser sharp focus on the things that matter and let us not make a big deal of the things that are secondary. God, we want to be focused on grace. We really want to receive all the good things that you've done for us. We praise you for that. Lord, we, we want to be so focused on the blessed hope of your appearing. Jesus, we know you're coming back and we're looking forward to that. We thank you for that promise. And Lord, we want to be focused on the mission of serving you by doing what is good for the people around us. Not because people deserve it, not because they've somehow earned our good, our good deeds toward them, but God, because you are worthy of it. And so I just pray that that becomes us kind of the mark of our lives and the mark of our church as a faithful church, well focused in these things. God, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, let it just lock in, in, in transformative ways for us. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We bless you in the name of Jesus. For listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.